Well, good morning. There's a holy hubbub in the room, and that's great. It's uh, great to be with you both in the room and, and online this morning. Uh, thank you for your prayers last week. Um, it was a tough week, and uh, as many of you know, I've been going through some tough stuff over the last year, um, and we keep having to sort of press into God on that and believe God. There have been times when I felt really low, and uh, I've you know, been sore in the battle, as it were. Uh, I know what it is when the enemies come along and said, this is it. I'm afraid you haven't got much longer to go. Um, in those dark moments uh, when you, you just feel really sort of quite low and... Um, with all that's going on. So, but we keep pressing into God, and uh, God keeps giving more health, more strength, and I, I'm taking hold of the verse which says, I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Amen. And, uh, you know, I remember in my 20s, the enemy came at me strong. And, uh, well, it, actually, it was before my 20s, and uh, I used to get some terrible attacks at night. And uh, the enemy would suggest to me, you're never going to make it till you're 20. Uh, well, I'm here 60-something now, and you can work out the rest of that one. And, uh, you know, so <laughs> God has the last word on that, doesn't he? And uh, so th thank you for your prayers, but keep praying, and we keep looking to Jesus. The name of Jesus is powerful, isn't it? And there is something about gathering as the people of God. We were just reading as we were praying together before we came in uh, about, the, you know, God has chosen his people to be his dwelling place. And, and uh, the, there is something about, yes, we can meet God on our own, but there's something about when you meet together. And so I, I want to encourage you, if you haven't done that yet, oh, please, please, please do, because there's something that it does for you, and it will do for your faith and so on, and uh, your walk with God. Someone said to me, are you going to preach the sermon you were going to preach last week? The answer is no. <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to, I was going to say, try a new one this week. <laughs> Um, so if you've got your Bibles and you want to have them open to the book of Ephesians, uh, basically, as I was praying about this week, and you know, the, 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 the kind of thought was I got two actually in my, in my pack, as it were, uh, ready for preaching, and, um, but God hadn't uh, quickened either one of those to me. I didn't feel that they were uh, the right ones. They're still good words, uh, um, but as I prayed about this week, I got these four questions come into my mind. Uh, where are you sitting how are you walking, and in what are you standing, and with what are you filled? And uh, I believe that those questions can be a provocation to each one of us, and maybe to some of us more particularly. But where are you sitting? How are you walking? In what are you standing, and with what are you filled? We, I think, have all recognized something of the toughness of life over the last year the difficulties that have been so different to anything that we've ever known in the past. And maybe on top of that, some of our own personal experiences, it's, it's all added to it in so many different ways. And we can look at everything that is going on in the world in which we find ourselves, and, and maybe we can be tempted to throw our hands up in, in horror and even to throw in the towel and uh, wonder where on earth it's going. And maybe take a, a quesera, sera approach to life. Whatever will be, will be. The future is not ours to see. And one of the things I love about the Bible is it talks to us in very real situations. It's, it doesn't set us up for some kind of 
uh, airy-fairy world where, where we, we will never get to. Sometimes I struggle with some Christian books on, on, on the Christian life and spiritual life because they're written by people who have huge amounts of time to be able to get away and have three months away with God, and that's great. But many of us don't have that opportunity. Many of us are caught up in the everyday slug of life uh, with, with work, with paying bills, with working out relationships, with all the dynamics of the world that we are living in. And it can be a challenge to each and a challenge to some of us more so than others may be. And so I love the scriptures because it, they're very real. They're not some, set out on some distant plane somewhere. They're, they're rooted in the reality of what it means to live in a broken world and what it means as God's people to live in a broken world, what it means even as those who are New Testament people of God to, to live in the now and not yet of the kingdom, to know that the kingdom has come in Jesus and we have some measure of the kingdom in Jesus, but to know that we haven't got the fullness of it all yet for which we all long for. And when I read the book of Ephesians, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a warrior's book. <laughs> it's a book for fighting Christians. It's a book for, for people who find themselves in situations and circumstances which perhaps they can't get their heads around. E Ephesus was a, a cosmopolitan city in every sense of the word, much like London or Beijing or, or Liverpool or whatever you, wherever you might look and, and, and find those kind of places. It was a, a melting pot of religious ideas and philosophies. There's all sorts of stuff going on there. Uh, there was the temple to Diana or, or Artemis, and, and uh, there were all sorts of uh, magic practice and occultic things going on. It was, in every sense of the word, a pluralist culture. And in many ways, the, 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 the Christians, the disciples in Ephesus could, could ask the question, how are we to live as God's people in such a culture? Because it is so foreign to us, it is so anti as far as we are concerned. The big question then was, how should they live out their faith in that culture? And that's the beauty of the Word of God, because it speaks to us where we are. You know, sometimes we feel, oh, I'd love to get away somewhere, and, and, and just, you know, some kind of ideal place, and really tune into God, and there's times for that, and really hear what he has to say. But I want to tell you, he can speak to you right where you are. You don't have to go a million miles. You don't even have to go a mile down the street. He can speak to you where you are in whatever situation and circumstance you find yourself. However black, however dark it is, God can speak to you. And so we have this letter written to the Ephesians, to the church at Ephesus. It was written, it was God speaking through Paul to these people who found themselves at this particular time in a place called Ephesus. And God speaks to us today where we are. He has given us his word. He, we have his word in the, in the scriptures. And I trust that you're making use of them. We also have the prophetic word, the voice of God that speaks to us in those now moments of our lives. So he comes, the word comes to us where we are. The word, brothers and sisters, is near you. It's near you. And you need to remind the enemy of that too. Because sometimes he would suggest that it's not. Sometimes he would suggest you can't hear God where you are. But I want to tell you, you can, if you will listen for him. And the other aspect about this is faith and formation is designed to be lived out in the kind of world that you find yourself in at the moment. Discipleship is possible in your world. 
Discipleship is possible in my world. Discipleship is possible in our world. Faith and formation is designed to be lived out and worked out where we find ourselves. Sometimes we, we can think to ourselves, uh, you know, if, perhaps if I just went somewhere else. You know, years ago there were people who, who, who found it a struggle to live in this country, so it was emigrate to Australia. You know, so let's go to Australia and live, and lots of people did that. But the reality is you take who you are with you. <laughs> you know? And the, and the world is much the same in Australia. There may be some better things in different ways, you know, some pluses and co- pros and cons, etc. But the reality is who we are and the battles we face will still be the same. And we can think sometimes, if only I wasn't me and I was somebody else, it would be a lot easier. Let me tell you, no. No, sometimes you can look at people and think that they have perhaps a, an easy life of it. You know, some people, for example, hold up Smith Wigglesworth as a great man of faith and power. But have you ever read what he went through? Have you ever he- read of the circumstances of his, li- of his life, the trials that he experienced, but how he proved God time and time again? And so it is with many men and women of God. So the word comes to us where we are. It may be that you, you just need to hear a word today before you go anywhere else. And your faith can grow and you can be formed where you are. You don't have to go somewhere else. It's within that that God speaks and God shapes and transforms our lives. And and that's what discipleship is all about. It's about not only believing in Jesus, it's being transformed by Jesus and it's doing the will of Jesus. And so these four questions here, where are you sitting? How are you walking? And in what are you standing? And with what are you Filled. And they're taken, and I'll share the scriptures with you as we go through. The first one is taken out of, of chapter 2 and verse 6, where it, having expounded on the, the mercy and the grace of God in verse 4, but God, who is his rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, has made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. Uh, and 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 raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know, sometimes we try to walk too early. You know, as Christians, it's like, come on, I want to get on with it. I want to do it. But the first place in the Christian life is just being. It is learning who we are in Christ. It is knowing that we are seated with him in heavenly places. And it comes before the walking. The walking comes later on in this book. But it's important that we we understand that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now the enemy will come along and through the experiences of life, he will will seek to knock us, if you like, off that seat. He will seek to, to kick us down on the ground. And not only to knock us down onto the ground, he will then try and put the boot in as well. And he will try and stamp all over us. What do we do? What do we do in those moments? And so it's important to understand that we are seated in heavenly places in Christ. And where is Christ? Where is Christ at this moment in time? You go back to to chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, and you find that, and he is seated uh, up above every name that can be named and every authority, every uh, every dominion. We are in him. 
Far above every other name. And we've been singing that this morning. Far above every other power. And we've been singing about that this morning. You know, sometimes we, we credit the enemy with too much power. We, we put the enemy on a par with God. He is not. He is a created being. And not only is he is a created being, he is a fallen being as well. And the large majority of his work is done by his minions. Read something of C.S. Lewis to get something of that. Read something of the Screwtape Letters to understand the, the ploys of the enemy, how he, he studies your life and he studies my life and he, he seeks if, if he, you know, if he can't stop a person being saved, he wants to stop them being transformed and he wants to stop them being an effective Christian. Yeah? He does. And so you have an enemy and I have an enemy. And he does not want us to, to sit in the truth of being in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Because he knows that that is above his name and every other name that he owns as well and every other power. Yeah? To remember a, a well-known preacher years ago in the early days of charismatic renewal talking about how one day he had somebody contact him and say, look, you know, we, we live in a block of flats and we are struggling because there's a group of occultists in the flat above us, and they, they keep doing their occultic stuff, and we are, we are struggling to pray, to worship and to pray. And he wrote back to them, and he got back into contact with them, he said, look, brothers and sisters, that's rubbish. They, they, the enemy is defeated, and you are in Christ. You are seated in him. You are above them in, in the spirit. He said, I soon expect to hear from some occultists saying, we can't pray, we can't do our stuff because of the Christians below us. You know, I mean, we need to get some of that kind of stuff into our spirit, don't we? Because we can allow the enemy to rob us of the position that we've been placed in by the grace of God, which is to be seated in heavenly places. And, you know, the beauty of, of being seated is I'm not doing anything. Am I? The only thing that I'm doing is what God is giving me, and that is breath. You know, it's in him that we live and we move and we have our being, isn't it? And, and so I'm at rest. And that's, if we're going to walk effectively, we have to learn how to rest. We have to learn how to just be in Christ. So I spoke a number of weeks ago about being in union with him. What it means to just be in Christ. Christ has done all the work. <laughs> How often does the enemy come along and say, try harder, try harder. And you try harder, and the harder you try, the more miserable it gets. The Christian life should be one of joy. And Paul, writing to the Galatians, says, where has all your joy gone? Some of us have lost our joy through this season that we've been in, and we need to rediscover it again. But you won't do it by trying harder. You'll do it by going back to Jesus. Well, as we were doing earlier, lifting up the name of Jesus, extolling the power and authority of Jesus, recognizing who Jesus has made you to be in him, resting in his staggering and outrageous grace. The older I get, the more staggering and outrageous it seems to be. Because I know what I'm like. You don't know everything about me, but I do. And God knows, and I can't hide it from him. And I'm staggered by his outrageous grace. As I trust you are too. Wow. To be in Christ. 
to be seated in him. A place of rest, which is also a place of security. And then what about our walk? Well, that's over in chapter 4, verse 1 and 2, verse 20. And uh, it's, so unfortunately, it's lost in many of our modern versions because it's translated live. But I love the word walk, you know, because it has this sense of a, a daily moving forward. You know, this, this kind of one foot in front of another. Walk, walk. And so in chapter 4, verse 1, we read these words. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. We have, we have a very high and holy calling of our, on our lives. It's staggering, isn't it? That God should love you and should love me and should call us to partner with him in his purposes on planet Earth. So the enemy will want to take us out in our walk as well. He will seek to cripple us. He will seek to knock us off our seat and he will seek to cripple us. He likes to come and put the boot in. He doesn't want us to walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. And as it says there, with all lowliness and gentleness, with long-suffering, bearing one, with one another in love. And we could spend a long time on this, but just to note a few things. When Paul talks about this walk, this step-by-step this, this, this -step moving forward in the purposes of God, he's talking about the personal walk, how you walk as an individual. He's talking about our corporate walk. In a, later on, when you look over into Galatians chapter 5, he talks about keeping in step with the Spirit or keeping together in step with the Spirit. We are a body of people. You don't do Christianity on your own. We do it together. That's why the body of Christ is important. That's why meeting together is important. And that's why the enemy is against it, because he knows the power of a gathered people, whether it's on a Sunday morning or in a life group, whatever. He knows that there is power in that group. If he can isolate, he can conquer. And it may be that he sought to isolate you. He sought to, to conquer you. And I want to say to you today, don't have it. Stand up to him. Stand against him. Get to a community group. Get along on a Sunday morning. Get engaged with God in the community of God's people. So this business of walking. So there's the individual walk. There is this, this corporate walking together in the spirit. So it's, it's about doing it in the spirit. We're not, this is not something we do in the flesh. We do it in the spirit. The spirit has been given to us that we might be able to have an effective walk with God. That we might be able to come, overcome all the works of the flesh. That we might be able to overcome the world. That we might be able to overcome the devil. That we might be more than conquerors. Who wants to be more than a conqueror? Yeah, that should be every hand up, actually. Yeah. Who wants to be more than a conqueror? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, we are more than conquerors through him. It's not us. It's through him. It's through learning to be in tune with the Holy Spirit. If you're not in tune with the Holy Spirit, the passions of your, your flesh and of your mind will get the better of you. And so it's living in tune with the Holy Spirit. It's being filled with him, and we'll come to that a little bit later. But how are you walking then? How is your walk today? How has your walk been this, this, this past year? Maybe you've stumbled. Maybe you feel you've, you've fallen over, and, and, and the enemy would come along and say, well, that, that's it, my brother. That, that's it. I'm sorry. Uh, God's done with you. I want to tell you, no. God comes to you. The steps of a good man and a good woman are ordered by the Lord, and though they fall, they shall not be utterly cast down. Why? Because he upholds him or her with his hand. 
And if that's you today, I want to tell you that God is right there, right where you are. And he's, taking, he's reaching out to you and he's saying, take my hand, my son, my daughter. Let's get up, let's clean you up, and let's go on again. And then in, in chapter 2, uh, and, sorry, chapter, yeah, chapter 2, the, in the end of it, or 2, um, where are we? Let me give you the verse. Ephesians 2, verse 10. Another aspect of our walk is that we might walk before him in all the things that he has prepared for us. Yeah? God has a plan for our lives. He has a purpose for our lives. And it's that we might walk in that purpose. Not just simply be surviving. There's a danger that as Christians we can simply be getting from one day to the next. It's, oh my goodness. And I've known days like that. I've known when the battle is fierce. And it's, God, God, when are you going to give the breakthrough? When am I going to get to live? And God has said to me, you live today. And unless you learn to live whatever battle you are facing, you will never truly live. So living into the purpose of God. God's plan for your life. The outworking of his giftings and talents that he has put within your life. And we haven't got time to go into all of that. But how are you walking? Are you making good progress? Has the enemy taken you out and God wants to just lift you up this morning, set you on your feet and say, my child, let's try again. And then in what are you standing? Ephesians chapter 6 verse 11 Chapter 6, verse 11, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and against powers and against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual forces of wickedness in their heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand or withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. That is God's purpose for every one of his children, no matter how young you are or how old you are in the Christian faith. He wants us to be strong in him and in the power of his might. He wants us to put on the whole armour of God because there is a battle on. We are, whether we like it or not, on a battlefield. There's no choice about that. If, 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 you, if you, you know, the world is on a battlefield anyway, but it doesn't realise it. We know where the battle is. And we know what the battle is about. And we are called into battle. We're called to fight a good fight. So in what are you standing this morning? This context here that Paul is writing into this, they were very aware that they were on battleground, that there was spiritual warfare taking place, that it was a reality, that it couldn't be avoided. But he wants to equip them so that they can fight a good fight, so that they can pursue the purposes of God, not only to live, but so they can pursue the purposes of God, that the kingdom might come in greater measure. Yeah. Maybe you've forgotten you're in a battle. Maybe you're just overwhelmed by life, overwhelmed with, with lockdown. And I do believe that in many ways the enemy has used lockdown 
that he's used it to, to isolate people, that he's used it to, to oppress people and depress people. And it, it's time for us to rise up and say, enough is enough. Amen. It's time for us to stand and to, to withstand in the day of evil. To take the fight to him and not for him to take the fight to us. And then lastly, with, with what are you being filled? Ephesians 5 verse 18. Paul writes, doesn't he? He says, you know, people can be filled with drink and its effects on their lives, etc., etc. Et but he says, don't be, be filled in that way. Don't, be, don't live your life in that kind of way. But be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart unto the Lord. To give you an idea, dear, of what you might be filled with at this moment in time, ask yourself, what do I give my time to? Ask yourself, how much do I drink of the word? Ask yourself, how much do I, I worship? How much do I think about God in my daily life? It's not that you have to necessarily be thinking about him all the time. But it is what place does he have? What place does he have? How often are you going to him and saying, oh, fill me afresh. Fill me afresh. One of the things I find a little bit scary about preaching is I know that last week's anointing, whenever it was, is not enough. Unless God anoints me today, unless God fills me today, I'm going to look a fool standing up here. I can give you some wise words of wisdom, but I want to be anointed. I want to be a man filled with the Spirit. And we want to see men and women full of the Holy Spirit. Not just a little bit of Spirit, but a lot of Spirit. Yeah? As Barney was saying, I think last week, wasn't it? You know, some of us are afraid of the Holy Spirit. You know, and we need to... He has not given us a spirit of, of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Yeah? The times I've taken that scripture and I've stood on it in prayer when the enemies come at me and said, you're losing your mind. And I've had to stand on that scripture and say, no, I'm not. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Sometimes you just have to go to this book and get hold of the word and take it into God's presence and tell it to the enemy as well. Yeah? Otherwise, we just do religion, which won't get us anywhere. And we'll leave us going round and round circles. But in, he has given us promises, exceeding great and precious promises, that we might be overcomers, that we might live to the glory and the praise of his name. Yeah? I need to close. So then, where are you, where are you sitting? Shall we stand, shall we? I know where you're sitting literally. But where are you sitting in your heart at this moment in time? How are you walking? In what are you standing? In your own strength or the power of God? Got your own useless armour on or have you got God's on? With what are you filled? I just want to suggest to you, if you want to respond to God, just to open your heart, open your heart, open your hands, be in that, that kind of receptive mode. 
take this moment and let him be the glory and the lifter of your head. If it's been bowed down in this moment, I believe God wants to raise heads. And he does that by raising our hearts as well. Just to recognize that if you are in Christ this morning, you are seated in heavenly places. <laughs> yeah. Just to rest in that. To find renewal in that. You're not doing anything, but just receiving from him. I get a picture of somebody who's kind of like, finds that really difficult, really busy. You know what it is when you get those, sometimes someone's really busy and someone turns around and says, just sit down. And it's a bit like that. I think God would say to maybe the son this morning, just sit down. Just relax back into me and who I've made you to be in Christ. And recognize that the powers are under your feet. Not equal to, to me, that is God. Not equal to you even because you are in Christ. Owning the name that's above every name. How are you walking? Maybe you've stumbled through this season. And God is coming to you even through this time we've been sharing. And he's, he says, I love you, my child. Yeah. There's hesed with me. There's abundant mercy and grace. Come, take my hand. Let's get, let's get up. Let's, let's clean you down and let's go on again. Would you just let him do that for you just in these moments? Blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all sin. Just let him cleanse you in these moments. Put you back on your feet. Where are you standing? Maybe you've grown weak through this season. I can understand that. God just wants to strengthen you by his mighty power. And right now, I just want to encourage you to open your heart to the power of God. If, if breathing in helps in that way, just to experience or to know the power of God as a, as a, a demonstration that you're taking him in, just to receive. The power of God. To be strengthened. I believe right now in this room and the, those who are tuning in, God is, is strengthening you. He is strengthening you. He's putting strength back into feeble limbs. He's putting strength into hearts that have, have been discouraged. He's putting strength back into minds. It may be just feel empty. Just welcome the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, just come and fill me. Just invite him in. Just say, I have neglected you. But I pray, fill me again in these moments. And help me to trust you and not be afraid of you. Help me to allow you to have your fullest expression in and through me. That you might be glorified. Oh God, we thank you that you're a God who speaks. Help us now to hear, to respond. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Mm. Yeah. I love you, Lord. And I 
Take joy.